Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. This morning we began a, a two-week sermon series titled Character Construction. Today's title is Our Thought Life. One's thought life will lead a person to make either healthy choices, that is good choices, or one's thought life will lead a person to make unhealthy choices, that is bad choices. I think each of us would agree that all of our choices lead to a consequence, a good consequence or a bad consequence. As believers in this journey of faith, we realize that on this journey, we are being developed. If you would, we are being grown. We're growing. Our spiritual life is a construction zone. I want you to turn with me to a passage of scripture where the Apostle Paul is praying for the local church. I think it's a great passage for us to see the heartbeat of the apostle for the local believers of this city. And it's a great prayer for each of us today. And we learn something from his prayer. His prayer reveals his desire for them. In Philippians chapter one, turn there. We're gonna begin reading in verse nine. We'll go down to verse 11. We're reading out of the New Living Translation. Paul says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced. Notice that phrase, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Let's take a moment and highlight a few things about this prayer. Paul prays for the Philippian believers to keep on growing. And it's important, church, that you and I keep on developing in our spiritual walk, that you and I keep growing in our relationship with the Father, that you and I keep growing in the likeness of Jesus. And then Paul says, he's praying they'll continue to grow in knowledge and understanding because that leads to living pure and blameless lives. So notice, the growth process leads to a different way of living different way of acting, a different way of being. It's imperative that we, as Christ followers, we continue to grow, and uh, it affects the way that we talk, it affects the way that we think, it affects the way that we act, it affects every aspect of our life. And then Paul's prayer is for the church to be filled with the fruit, that is the evidence of salvation. Now, what is the fruit? What is the evidence of the salvation? The righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. 
The fruit that declares one has been born again, the fruit that declares that you are truly a Christ follower is the righteous character being developed, being produced in your life by the presence of Jesus Christ. Notice it is character produced. I trust you received a bulletin when you came in on the backside of that bulletin on your sermon notes. And the first fill in the blank is this, character under construction. The truth of the matter is you are still being transformed. Your life is under spiritual construction. And the Holy Spirit is constructing you into a vessel of honor. You say, well, preacher, pastor, what do you mean by this vessel of honor? What I mean by a vessel of honor is this, a vessel that God can use, a person God can use. I submit to you that God wants to develop you and grow you so that he can use you to affect your community in a positive way. So that you, the people in your life that you call friends and your associates, so you can be a light shining in the darkness of their life. You can be salt that will, that will affect them in a positive way. See, God wants to use you to be a vessel of honor. In the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2, the apostle Paul uses this analogy in his letter to Timothy. Matter of fact, if you begin reading in verse 20, Paul says, in a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are used for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Keep yourself pure honorable use. Your life will be clean. You'll be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Notice the last phrase. You'll be ready for the master to use you for every good work. The condition of being ready for the master to use you is if you keep yourself pure, your life will be clean. So it's through this process, it's through this constructing and construction, if you will, that God is constructing you into a vessel of honor where we can become ready for the master's use. I want you to write this under B. Write, write this. You are a work of art. Now, we know in, in today's culture context, sometimes that can be used sarcastically. Oh, you're a work of art. We're not using it sarcastically today. I want you to understand you really are a work of art. You're a masterpiece. The word of God even says. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, Paul says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So Paul says, long ago, God had this plan for you to do some great work, and guess what? He's called you, and he's created you into this masterpiece because there's a plan for your life. There's a work for your life. There's something spectacular for you to do. The New King James uses the term workmanship, simply meaning you're under construction, 
you are a work in progress. Now, let me clarify. This is not an excuse. So many today are using it. Well, I'm just, I'm just a work in progress. Oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And we use it as a crutch to be the same old mean person we were 10 years ago. It is not to be used as a crutch. Oh, gee, I'm just not perfect, so I want to bless you out right now and show you how unperfect I am. No, it's not to be a crutch. It's just a state of fact. God is working in your life. But if you're still the same today as you were five years ago, maybe the construction has stopped and it needs to pick up again. See, God wants to change your life. Yes, you are a work in progress. Another analogy in scripture that the word of God uses is clay in the hands of the master potter. The book of Isaiah uses the analogy of a potter and the clay. God's people are the clay and God himself is the master potter. And a clay jar begins as a lump of clay and then a potter does his work. And through the process of molding, through the process of breaking, and the process of adding water, the lump of clay is fashioned into a useful vessel. I say this to tell you, remind you, you are a piece of art. That is, you are the process of becoming something great. Another analogy the Word of God uses to talk about how you're not a finished product is he uses the analogy of a building. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, Paul says, For we are both God's workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building. You are God's building under construction. There's a construction zone. You're being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. The project is not yet complete. However, there must be and has to be continued progress. God is looking for value. If you read the context of 1 Corinthians 3, you'll see where the fire will will, will, will cause and reveal whether things are of value or not. God is looking for value in your life. You're under construction. Write this under C. See yourself as growing and not grown. This is important. See yourself as growing and not grown. One speaks of a process of maturity. The other one speaks of already arrived. And I don't mean to blow blow, uh, your mind or to burst your bubble, but you're not that yet. You've not arrived yet, but you are arriving. So you are growing and not grown. Which brings to the second thing I want to talk about. I want to talk about your thoughts. I want to talk about how you think. I want to speak about the internal dialogue you have with yourself. And we're going to take a few moments and talk about our thoughts and how we think in relation to growth and growing. Because your thought life is so important to your spiritual success. Jesus is concerned about how and what you think about. Matter of fact, Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus says this, and we use the King James, it says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy what? Mind. 
And the word for mind here literally means understanding, intelligence, the the faculty of, of comprehension. It has to do with how we think. Loving God is an act of worship. So Jesus said we are to worship God with our minds. Cautious, careful, holy thinking is an act of devotion to God. Write this, your thoughts are like seeds. What seeds are you planting? Your thoughts are like seeds. And seeds produce after their kind. This is the universal law of God. You go all the way back to the beginning, to Genesis chapter 1. You see it's a law that God instituted in verse 11. God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they come. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. These seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind. And God saw... It was good. So your thoughts are like seeds being planted. And seeds bring after their kind. Seeds bring a harvest. What harvest are we reaping in our thought life? Because your thought life is producing a harvest. You say, well, what do you mean, pastor? Your actions are your harvest. The acts, the things you do, how you live is a result of the seeds you planted in your thoughts. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, talking about how it all begins in the heart. Proverbs 4, 23 says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. What determines the course of your life? Your heart. The New King James says, for out of it, your heart springs the issues of life. And here the word heart refers to the rational, self-conscious part of a person, including the will, desires, and mind. Author Cliff McManus writes this. In other words, the Bible says to make a priority of protecting your mind and what you think. Because what you think will manifest itself in how you talk and how you behave, and God cares about how you think because he cares about how you live. Remember the prayer of Paul for the Philippians? I pray that you'll live pure and holy lives. God cares about how we live. Write this under B. Write what we feed grows. You know the law. If you, if you plant seeds, then you water those seeds. You give them fertilizers. They will grow into healthy and strong plants. Thoughts like seeds have a natural tendency to grow and manifest in your life. If you feed them with attention, interest, and enthusiasm, guess what? It will bring forth after its kind. Whether positive or whether negative, whether good or whether bad, whether healthy or whether unhealthy, because thoughts are like seeds. What are we watering? 
We're talking about being under construction. We're talking about our life in progress of, of growing. We're not grown, but we're growing. So we've got to look at our thought processes. What are the thoughts we're allowing to consume our mind? What are you feeding yourself through your thought life? Which brings us to our third point. Think great thoughts. It's important, it's imperative to think great thoughts. I think all of us would agree that one cannot consistently act differently than the thoughts they think. Remember, your thoughts are like seeds and the seeds bring forth after its kind. So we need to think great thoughts. I want to give you three things that, I, that great thoughts consist of. First of all, great thoughts consist of right they consist of right thoughts. There's a right way to think. There's a wrong way to think. Go with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 8. We're going to look at verse 9. Paul writes to, to the Philippians here, and he says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Now, remember the context. In the two previous verses, he says, Be careful. Be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, shall guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So the context is combating anxious thoughts with great thoughts. Great thoughts begin by thinking right. And now, fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, Right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learn and receive from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Now notice the correlation between the God of peace being with you to right thinking. Notice the context. There's right thinking and then the God of peace. Could it be that we're so restless. The reason we're so restless today, the reason we like so much peace is because of our thoughts, because we're not thinking right, we're not thinking godly, we're not thinking the things that God wants us to dwell upon. See, your thoughts lead to the God of peace dwelling and being with you. Now, notice the phrase, fix your thoughts. It means to ponder, it means to think, it means to reflect the Holman New Testament commentary writes this, Paul suggested what should occupy our minds rather than anxiety and worry. Paul understood the influence of one's thoughts on one's life. Right thinking is the first step toward right living. As you hear that, right thinking is the first step toward right living. What is right thinking? It is thinking devoted it is thinking that is devoted to life's higher goods and virtue. Things that are true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Anything excellent, worthy of praise. Think on these things. Another verse having something to say about fixing your thoughts is found in the book of Isaiah. Turn with me to the Old Testament for a moment. 
Go to the book of Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 and 4. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are what? Fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. I love this verse. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. As a man thinketh, so is he. The actual rendering of the Hebrew is this. It is, uh, I will keep him in peace, peace, meaning superlative peace, an abundance of peace, not just a little dab, but an abounding, an abounding, like a river abounding its banks. That's the type of peace you'll have, the one whose thoughts are fixed on me. Peace in this situation includes the idea of wholeness, health, quietness of soul. Preservation means completeness. How many know we need completeness in our life? Wholeness. We need healing. I will keep him in peace whose mind is fixed on me. I want to challenge us to deal with the negative thought patterns. All of us have voices speaking against us. Voices such as saying things such as, you're not good enough. You're not qualified. You're not called. Understand the enemy is trying to attack your identity. The enemy is, is, is trying to attack who you're who you are in Christ, but I'm reminding you who you are today. You are a child of the living God. You're sons and daughters of the Most High. The enemy may try to attack you, but understand God has qualified you. God has anointed you. The enemy will try to bring up your past. The enemy will try to remind you of every mistake you've ever done, but I remind you of your future. I remind you that God saw you even before you were born. He formed you in your mother's womb. I Remind you today that you are his. Think correctly. One way of thinking right thoughts and dealing with negative thought patterns is to take every thought captive. This is so important. Take every thought captive. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. When anger tries to rule you, take that thought captive. Bring it to the obedience of Christ Jesus. When jealousy tries to reign in your life, bring that thought to captivity of Jesus Christ. When hurt and offense tries to consume you, take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ Jesus. When that thought says you're not good enough, when that thought says you'll never, never measure up, take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ Jesus. Bring it into alignment with what God's word says because God's word gives you an anointing and a power to live for him. You live according to the word of God because you've been born again. You got the spirit of God living in you. Take those thoughts captive in the name of Jesus. I love how the message brings this out. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God. 
barriers that come against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ, bringing every thought, emotion, and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. You should no longer think the way you used to think. Now you're going to think great thoughts. Great thoughts begin by thinking right thoughts. Write this under B. Great thoughts consist of growth thoughts. See yourself in a position to grow. Sometimes we have a mental block. Sometimes we're saying, I just can't change. I just can't. This is the way I've been. It's the way I've always been. It's the way I'm going to always be. Change that. No, it's not. Don't believe that lie. God's called you to be a new person, a new creation. You can live differently. See yourself as growing. Grow thoughts, to grow beyond your current status, to grow beyond your current limits, to grow beyond your current situations. Too often we're stuck in life because we're stuck in a negative thought pattern. Ask God to help you to begin to think growth thoughts. Let me give you some ideas. One idea is this. Read books about growth. Read a book about growing. Read a book about growth. And the best book you can read on having a growth mindset is the Word of God. Did you hear me? The best book you can read on having and learning how to have a growth mindset. Read the Word of God. Read about the life of Jesus. Let me give you something else that will help you begin to grow. Try something new. Try something you've never done before or you haven't done in a long time. I want to challenge you this week. Make a commitment to do one new thing this week. I think the challenge with a lot of us is we give a list of about 20 new things we want to do. And then we only accomplish about two or three of them. And then we feel like a failure because there's 17 things we haven't done. I submit to you, if you'll just take the list and just put one thing on it, and begin to do that one thing this week, you begin to feel momentum in your life because growth is a mindset that God wants you to have. Surround yourself with eagles. You know, if you hang with chickens, guess what? You'll begin to cluck like a chicken. Bunch of chickens. You ever heard of, <laughs> I better stop there, I'm getting in trouble. Mm -hmm. Have a growth mindset. How does one develop a growth mindset? This is not in your notes, but write it down. Acknowledge and embrace your weaknesses. Hiding and ignoring your weakness simply means you'll never overcome them because you'll never own up to them. See challenges as opportunities. See the challenge before you as an opportunity. Listen to what Ephesians 5.16 says. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And church, may we seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit. How do you have a growth mindset? Value the process. Value the process, what you're going through. Cherish the process. So often we're trying to run from the process. What about submitting to the process? What about giving your time 
yourself time to reflect. It's so important. That means you got to slow down. It means you got to clear your calendar a little bit. Give yourself time to reflect. Reflect, first of all, on the Lord. Listen to what the psalmist writes in Psalm 119, verse 55. I reflect at night on who you are, O Lord, therefore I obey your instructions. I reflect on who you are, Lord, and guess what? It leads to obedience. We need to reflect on the Lord because reflecting on him leads to doing what he desires. Reflect secondly on your life, your actions, the outcomes of your behavior. What needs to be changed? What needs to be given more attention to in your life? What needs to be modified or adjusted? How does one develop a growth mindset? Change your vocabulary. Quit saying words, I can't, never will, never, never has happened. Replace these words with, with the word yet. You may not have mastered something or overcome something yet. I may not have got victory yet, but I'm about to get some victory. I may not have what I need yet, but guess what? I'm about to get what I need. See, begin to change the way you speak. Begin to change your vocabulary because, because you're setting yourself up for a growth of mindset. We're talking about having great thoughts. It begins by thinking right things. It begins by thinking with a growth mindset. The third thing. Faith thoughts. Faith thoughts. Musicians, I want you to begin to prepare. If you're going to get from where you are now to where you want to be or need to be, then you have to think faith-filled thoughts because faith moves mountains. Faith moves the hand of God. Faith gets the attention of the master. As a believer, may your life be governed by faith. Be willing to take that step. Take that promotion. Step into that new season. Be willing to take that next step. Start that side business. Start to expand your philosophy in the way that God can bless you. Be willing to take that step. Adopt that child. Every step of faith begins with the thought, I believe God will. I believe God will provide. I believe God will move that mountain. I believe God will make a way. I believe God will show up. I believe God's going to give me strength. I believe God's going to help me. I believe God's going to be with me. I believe God will. Every step of faith begins with, I believe God will. When I want to encourage myself with doing the right thing, when I want to encourage myself to think faith thoughts, great thoughts, when I want to encourage myself to step up and to step out, I turn to Hebrews chapter 11 and I read that great chapter of faith. It opens up that by saying without faith, it is impossible to please God. You got to first, verse, verse six, first believe that God is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith says that God exists, and faith says God will reward those who diligently seek after him. And church, if you seek him, guess what? 
you're going to find him. But as I read Hebrews chapter 11, I began to read, by faith, Noah built. <laughs> by faith, Noah did something. By faith, Noah began construction on the ark. I read, by faith, Abraham obeyed when it wasn't easy. He obeyed when it didn't make sense. He obeyed when everybody said, what are you doing? Nobody ever done anything like this. See, see faith says, Abraham obeyed. And then it says, by faith, Sarah was able to have a child, even though she was past 90 years old. She was able to have a child, for she believed God would keep his promise. See, faith says, I believe God will keep his promise. Is there anybody here today who has faith to believe God will keep his promise? By faith, Abraham was ready to offer Isaac because Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. He believed in the resurrection power of God. Churches or anybody here today that has faith that says, I believe in the resurrection power of the living Christ. I believe in the resurrection power of the Almighty. I believe God can turn some things around. I believe God can move mountains. I believe God can do the impossible. I believe God can fulfill his promises. By faith, Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently, that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. Joseph believed God even though he never lived to see the fulfillment of the promise. Church, I can tell you prayer after prayer of the saints of God who have died, but I've lived long enough to see their prayers come to fruition. I'm here to remind you that faith says, even though I don't see it in this life, I believe God's going to keep his promise and God's going to do exactly what he says. By faith, Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son, the son of Pharaoh's daughter because he knew he had the DNA, not of Egypt, but he had the DNA of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I'm talking to some people today who don't have the DNA of this world, but they got the DNA of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They got the DNA that believes my God will work. I believe today God is going to work and move in your life. If you need a miracle, and you realize you are under construction. You realize you are growing in Christ. And you say, I need God to work in my life. I need God to work in my family. I want you to begin to step out from where you are. And I want you to come down.